Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone that's in the United States and all other regions around the world. Shalom, peace. My name is Kennard Levy-Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. I have done over 300 uh, Bible studies on this program. It's accessible on your, your iPhones, uh, Androids, etc. And I'm trying to make this program as accessible as I can to other networks online. So today we're going to talk about a topic that um, needs to be talked about in society today, uh, respecting our parents. And that goes not just to ex- uh, respecting our parents, but also father figures and mother figures. Uh, to give an example of that, uh, let's go to Second uh, Kings, chapter two, verse eleven to thirteen, and I want to start with talking about Eliyahu or Elijah a little bit because uh, he was a father figure. Uh, let's turn to Second Kings, chapter two, starting at verse eleven, and it came to pass, and I'm reading in the King James version. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Eliyahu, or Elijah, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And there's um, people think that he went to heaven and so forth. And uh, actually, because Hebrews chapter 11 states that everyone must die, Elijah, uh, and when you look at uh, the other scriptures, it's pretty obvious that he went. He was taken up into the sky, but that's another Bible study in itself. Anyway, in verse 12 of 2 Kings chapter 2, And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into pieces. This this is an interesting statement by Elijah, who um, fulfilled the mantle of Eliyahu. In verse 13, he took up also the mantle of Eliyahu, or Elijah, that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And so this is interesting. Elijah was a like a father figure. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was like a father figure. What did uh, Stephen, whose face shone like an angel, what did he state about Israel's past generations. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. 
Acts chapter 7, verse 51. It says, You stiff neck and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you do always resist the Ruach Kalkadish of the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so did ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which show before the coming of the just one, of whom you have now been the betrayers and murderers. Yes, we all participated in it, but he was talking about how they participated in it as well, as far as murdering our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Messiah, because he had to die for all of us because of our sins. So, you know, we there are father figures as well as actual fathers, and I'm going to cover all that today in this uh, Bible study about why we need to obey our parents, and also uh, figures of authority that act like fathers and mothers. And so we're going to go over that today because, like I say, in, in, like I said, in society today, that is really going away. And it was prophesied for it to go away. And it is going away um, a lot quicker <laughs> than... 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. So I really hope you pay attention to this Bible study. And this is a really basic doctrine about submitting to authority. Um, and it, it begins with your parents. It begins with your parents. And, and if you don't, if you have a problem with that, you're going to have a problem submitting to any kind of authority. You, you may think that you won't, but believe me, with my experience, I've uh, been in this, this world for half a century now. I know from experience that if you don't learn how to uh, obey your parents, <laughs> you're going to have problems obeying other people. I know from firsthand experience. Of course, the Bible backs that up, of course. So um, so let's go ahead and study this concept here about fathers and why fathers and mothers are very important. And, you know, it's going to be Father's Day next um, Sunday. So I, I guess this is timely that the Master is leading me to talk about a topic like this. And so uh, let's go over this here. And let's begin with the simple statement that, and I will, again, show examples in the Bible of uh, people in the Bible, uh, being father figures, father figures, all throughout the scriptures. Of course, it begins with Yah or God himself. He's a father. And we so we certainly must obey him first before we obey. And, you know, when I start talking about obeying uh, your father, that's under the assumption, of course, your father's a righteous man. Well, your mother, she's a righteous woman. Of course, uh, there's a scripture in Acts that states we should obey Yah rather than man. Okay, so, but some people will take that and just use it as justification to be rebellious uh, toward their parents. And you've you got to make sure that if you don't obey your parents, then uh, obviously your parents are doing something wrong that justifies that. Okay, uh, a lot of times, uh, in my experience, uh, children will use that and say, okay, well, my dad did wrong, my mom did wrong, well, where's your, where's your proof? Where's your facts? you got to make sure you have your facts before you uh, do something that, that uh, could possibly <laughs> get the, the, the ultimate father angry at you. Okay, so 
we we got to be very important about those type of things and uh uh the scriptures really indicate that your parents certainly commands uh the ultimate type of respect and one of the reasons I'm just talking common sense to you here common sense your parents without your parents you would not have been born without your parents you would not be where you're at today without your parents you would be nothing today and some smart aleck youth would say well uh, I didn't ask to be born you know you know which smart aleck you said used to say that me I used to say uh, I didn't ask to be born. Well, the fact is, I'm born. <laughs> and so the Father decided for me to live. And so we can't use that excuse. You're born, you're in the world, you better get with the program or else you'll be kicked off the program. All right, so that that's just the way it is. And here's another scripture that proves that um, the apostle Shaul or Paul thought that he was a father. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Messiah, which kind of explains a lot of religious movements, uh, there's a lot of uh, teachers out there, yet have you not many fathers? For in Messiah, Yeshua, I have begotten you through the gospel. And then in verse 16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. I've heard people say that, uh, you know, we should never follow someone. Well, what does the Bible say, folks? we got to go by what the Bible says, all right? It says that you can follow father figures like Shaul if what? What does the Bible say about the rule of following a man? Because in verse 16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And he's like, ooh, Paul's sinning. No, he's not. Let's look at, let's look at the scriptures. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Messiah, okay? Look, let's, let's, let's use our common sense here. There are bosses in the world. We have to obey those bosses. Are we sinning because of that? No. Yah commands us to do that. He commands us to do that. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. And let me start with verse 7. And this is one of the doctrines that a lot of people have a difficult time understanding, which is one of the basic doctrines of Elohim, uh, the laying on of hands. It involves, that doctrine involves understanding that there's authority in an assembly, not a one-man rule authority in most cases. You have exceptional cases where there's no one qualified, but that person who is qualified should be looking for other qualified people. So there should be at least two elders of any assembly, according to the way Yeshua taught his Talmudim or disciples. But anyway, Hebrews 13, verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you. Now, oh, wait a minute. He's saying who have the rule over you. Well, what's that um, corny Greek or uh, Hebrew Greek <laughs> word for this? Let's take a look. Uh, that It means command the governor, the judge, the lead, the chief, right? So it says, remember them which have the chief over you or, or govern you, who have spoken unto you the word of Yah. And so 
what this scripture is telling you is that the elders who are like father figures in an assembly, they speak the word of God to you. And that, of course, indicates that they know how to do it and that they have proved that they understand the word of God. He says right here, whose faith you follow, whose faith follow considering of their behavior. Considering their behavior or looking at their behavior. And so the scriptures, and there's many other scriptures, even Jewish tradition, when uh, a rabbi has students, they follow that rabbi's example as long as that rabbi was following Moshe's example. And those, of course, that became believers of Yeshua, it escalated to Yeshua's example first, then Moshe's and everyone else's second. All right? So, but anyway, Hebrews 13, verse 7, Remember them which had the rule or govern over you, who has spoken unto you the word of Yah, whose faith follow, faith or trust. And, of course, trust has works, right? Considering the end of their conversation, that's a poor translation the King James Version of behavior. That's what that means, of their behavior, of their behavior. And so if people are going around preaching that you shouldn't follow somebody, they're not, you know, they need to read the scriptures a little bit and, and, and realize that you you have to follow somebody. You follow Yah first, and then you follow human beings because, you know, Yah's not here to, like Yeshua was on the earth at the time, Emmanuel, God in the flesh. And they, every you know, for the first time on the planet earth, uh, actually for an extended time, for at least three and a half years, or some people think it's a year, um, he was there on, on the earth for a short time. And people were able to follow his example literally, okay? But he's in heaven right now. And so there's a scripture that I really want you to understand here. And in this Bible study may go over, all right? It may go over. I don't know. Uh, whatever scriptures God pops in my mind here, I have to, to preach to you, okay? Because I didn't plan any of this. It's just coming, coming to me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Messiah. And so apostles... Emissaries are also elders, and also a partaker of the glory shall be revealed. Now, in verse 2, I'm going to read this in an easier version than this, because uh, the King James Version sometimes chops up these words. Uh, in verse 2, I'm reading this in the basic Bible English version, the uh, 1965. Keep watch over the flock of Yah, which is in your care, using your authority. Using your authority. So we have authority. It's like a father. Not as forced to do so, but gladly, and not for the unclean prophet, but with a ready mind, not as lords over God's here. In other words, you don't rule like Hitler, all right? But making yourselves examples to the flock. Verse 4, and at the coming of the chief keeper of the sheep. Who's the chief keeper of the sheep? Messiah. And so if he's the chief, then there has to be other sheep. I've heard people say, well, uh, 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 I only have one shepherd. No, that's not true. You have a cheap shepherd, and you have other shepherds. You have other shepherds. Because when Yah calls you, he's not going to send Yeshua Messiah to teach you personally. He's going to call you through one of those sheep. Other sheep that's going to be over you. Now, it says, and at the coming of the chief, and now if I do my job properly, and other teachers do their job 
or minister to their job properly, I will be given an eternal crown of glory. I will be a priest and a king, a hybrid king-priest. Verse 5. Hybrid means combination. Verse 5. And in the same way, let the younger men be ruled by the older ones. Now, this, that, this, this, this describes society as, as, we, as I'm speaking right now, ladies and gentlemen. A prophecy is being fulfilled in society. Let's hold your place. Now, scriptures are just popping in my mind. You know, I had scriptures that I was going to quote, and I have other scriptures that God is wanting me to, to talk about here. So Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. This is a now prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. This is happening as I'm speaking. For the Lord, the Lord of armies, is about to take away from Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, and from Judah, all their support, their store of bread and of water. The strong man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, the man who has the knowledge of secret arts, and the man who is wise because of his years, the captain of fifty, and the man of high position, and the wise guide, and the wonder worker, and he who makes use of secret powers. And I will make children their chiefs, and foolish ones will have rule over them. This is a now prophecy. God judges based on social behavior. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, and in particular Leviticus chapter 26, the punishments intensify if the people don't repent. And that is happening as I'm speaking. Verse 4, And I will make children their chiefs, and foolish one will rule over them. And the people will be crushed, everyone by his neighbor, the young will be full of pride against the old, and those of low position will be lifted up against the noble. Verse 6, when one man puts his hand on another in his father's house and says, you have clothing, be our ruler and be responsible for us in our sad condition. Verse 7, then he will say with an oath, I will not be a helper, for in my house there is no bread or clothing, indicating that one of the ways that he punishes adults is taking away the ability to take care of yourself and your family. I will not let you make me a ruler of the people, for Jerusalem has become feeble, or Jerusalem, and the destruction has come on Judah, because their words and their acts are against the master, moving the eyes of his glory to wrath. Verse 9, their respect for a man's position is a witness against them, and their sin is open to the view of all. And this is talking about not following a man, that follows Yah. And he says here, their respect for a man's position is a witness against them, and their sin is open to the view of all. Like that of Sodom, it is not covered. A curse on their soul, for the measure of their sin is full. Ten, happy is the upright man, for he, or the righteous man, for he will have joy of the fruit of his ways. Unhappy is the sinner. That's one of the reasons why we shouldn't sin, because we're going to be unhappy. For the reward of evil doings will come on him. Verse 12. Now, pay attention to this prophecy. As for my people, their ruler is acting like a child, and those who have authority over them are women. Let me repeat that one again. As for my people, their ruler is acting like a child, and those who have authority over them are women. Oh, my people, your guides are the cause of your wandering. Turning your footsteps out of the right way. We are having, or already have a woman that's the head of the International Monetary Fund. We have a woman that is the head of the Federal Reserve Bank. 
which is not a government bank, it's a private bank. And it looks like there's a possibility that Hillary Clinton will be the first president of the United States. She's already made history already by being the Democratic nominee for president. That has never happened in the history of politics or in this country. And Hillary Clinton is one of the top liberalists in the world. And that's what's going on. She is close to cracking that glass ceiling. In other words, uh, shattering male leadership and authority, which is totally against the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care. You can bring all your arguments all you want. It's against the Bible, and that is one of the things that is destroying society. Also, the latest transgender stuff that our president wrote a letter to all the public schools suggesting highly that they need to start letting men who think, uh, people that were born boys that think they're girls to go into a girl's washroom and, and of course, uh, girls that were born girls but think they're guys, they can go to guys' washrooms. Okay, that is total insanity, ladies and gentlemen, total insanity. And the Bible prophesies when society gets to that point, that's when Yah's judgments will intensify. Now, I'm not saying because of this happened as the start of tribulation. What I'm warning you is that things will get more difficult. People, most people don't understand how Yah punishes adults. They don't understand that. He doesn't take you by the, uh, behind and spank you like he suggests we do to our kids. No, he, he does things more intensified because we're an adult. He takes the stay of bread. He causes famine and war to come upon us. That's what he does. Famine and war. Uh, it, it, it's, it, that, that's the way he punishes, ladies and gentlemen. Ezekiel chapter 14 explains that. And this is this is part of the doctrine of judgment, eternal judgment. And judgment, uh, we're all going to be judged for all that we do. And Yah is a God of judgment. He has to judge. And, and if he doesn't judge, then we're not going to grow and, and things are not going to get to the point where they will be one day where this whole universe is perfect. Ezekiel chapter... 14, Ezekiel chapter 14. So, uh, this explains how Yah punishes here. Verse 10, and the punishment of this, wait a minute, let me, uh, I'm trying to find out when he, uh, okay, here we go. Ezekiel 14, verse 13, and the uh, Hebrew word for land here uh, is Eretz, and it can mean also the country, the world. And in this context, I would say it's not only applying to Israel, it's applying to anywhere you're at. Uh, the Son of Man, when the um, land or the world or anyone sins against me or any group of people sins against me by trespassing grievously, and he's a grievous sense, like the grievous sin of homosexuality, the grievous sins of, of uh, transgender, being a transgender, and um, etc., all right. Then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and this happens at any time throughout the history of man, okay? And will break the staff of bread 
That's an idiom or phrase for the ability to take care of yourself. That will be taken away. Therefore, he will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast from it. Those three men, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver their own souls by their righteousness, says the master. Verse 15, if I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land and they spoil it so that it be desolate that no man may pass through because of the beasts, these three men were in it, as I live, says the, the master. They shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon us, on his words, war, and say, sword, go through the land so that I may cut off man and beast from it, though these three men were in it, as I live, says the master, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered. Or if I send pestilence. So it's pestilence, famine, which, uh, of course, is taking away the stay of bread. And the sword. That's how he punishes. That's how he's been punishing throughout history, adults. Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the master, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. In verse 21, for thus says the master, Yah, how much more when I send my four sword judgments, so it's four, upon uh, Jerusalem, the sword, and the famine, and the noisome beasts, and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. And so that that is how he judges, folks. Uh, for, for, if you still doubt that this is just talking about Israel, let's, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 18, or verse 7. Jeremiah is a prophet to the nations, or was a prophet to the nation. At what instance I shall speak concerning a going, a going, or a nation, and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy? If that goy or nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Verse 9. At what instance I shall plant concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom and to build and to plant? If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice. And so people tell me the Torah is not for everybody. That's ridiculous. This is one of the many scriptures that prove that it is for everybody. If, I, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice then I will repent of the good whereof I said I would benefit them. All right? So this applies to everybody. God is concerned about everyone. He's an equal opportunity, Yah, when it comes to his uh, commandments and his Torah. So we got to understand that, folks. And, you know, there's there's father figures and, and mother figures, but the father is the leader and the sons because the sons, they become fathers. And when society takes away that type of leadership, it cannot last for long. And what tends to happen, their wars occur and all these other curses. And they are coming, ladies and gentlemen. I can guarantee you, unless we repent, unless we repent. If we repent, he'll lessen, just like he said here, he will take away the evil that he said he would do. All right? But if we continue on collectively having human grace, these things will continue. These things will continue. There's another scripture in Isaiah chapter 24. These are scriptures that are just burned in my brain. Verse 1, behold, the master, Isaiah 24 verse 1, behold, the master makes the earth empty. And that's where this, this world's going, folks. This world is going to be empty. The population in the world is going to be very few people. Uh, that word in Hebrew can mean depopulate. 
and maketh waste. That Hebrew word can mean annihilate, and turns it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 2, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress. This is in the uh, King James Version, as you probably can tell. As with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of interest, so with the giver of interest, or usury to him. The land, or this word again, the Hebrew word is Eretz, and it could also apply to the entire world. Shall be, and this certainly, this word, Definitely, in this context, is referring to the entire world. The the entire world shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled for. And see, let's look at these Hebrew words. Baka. It means poured out to be depopulated and utterly spoiled to be plundered. It's going to be uh, depopulated and plundered. For the master has spoken his word. Canard hasn't spoken his word. All Canard is doing is reading you his words as I'm commanded to do. This is what the Lord has said would happen to master. The earth. And this is the same Hebrew word. They should have translated uh, that also in verse 3. And uh, it should be earth. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. It fades away. There's a scripture that says that this world passes away. And the world languishes and fadeth away. The haughty people, the pridey people, the people, uh, uh, they do languish. Yes. The earth also is defiled uh, as kanaf in Hebrew, and it means corrupted under the inhabitants thereof. Why? Why is the the earth at this, as I'm speaking, is corrupted? It's going to get worse, far worse, to the point where it's going to be greatly depopulated. Okay? Why is that? Because they have transgressed the Torahs in Hebrew. Uh, that means Torah, and it's interesting that this is plural. Change the ordinance. We have changed the ordinance. Broken the everlasting. One of the greatest things we have done in Christianity, unfortunately, in most uh, organizations that call themselves Christians, they don't keep the, the Shabbat. The Shabbat is the test commandment. The Sabbath day is the test commandment that you are a believer, a complete believer in Yeshua or Jesus the Messiah. All right? And that's the covenant that we have certainly broken, and then when you break that, when you break and you don't keep the, the festivals, because the Shabbat, when you understand Leviticus chapter 23 properly, is the foundation of those Moedim or holy days or, or high feast days that are like Shabbats. And those 41,000 denominations that worship on Sunday, they certainly don't uh, do the uh, the Moedim or the holy days. They don't They don't observe those either. Therefore have the curse devoured the earth. Curse. Allah in Hebrew. Devoured. The poor, uh, therefore has the curse devoured the earth. Devoured. To eat the earth. To consume the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Of course it's talking about nuclear Holocaust, but it's also talking about the other judgments of God. It's not going to, it's going to be nuclear bombs. It's going to, uh, it's certainly going to contribute, but that's not the only thing that's going to uh, end up uh, depopulating the earth. When you read the book of Revelation, you understand that. And so, folks, these are serious times, and uh, I'm doing a series on the book of Revelation, and uh, I may even put it on uh, Blog Talk Radio. I can probably upload it uh, on here. But look, we, we've got to get serious about going on here, ladies and gentlemen. We really do. This. 
Eliyahu, wherever he is, is prophesied to come on the scene when society is so messed up as it is right now. And I believe he's probably on the scene already. That's just my personal belief based on what's going on. Uh, in, in Malachi, Malachi, let's turn to Malachi here, chapter 4. Now let's go down to one of the greatest prophecies ever in the history of the Bible itself. Malachi 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Eliyahu, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Master. And verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, that night I come and smite the earth with a curse. Okay? And that word curse means utter destruction. In other words, the whole world would be exterminated. Did not come. If he... If Eliyahu did not come and preach his message, which I'm going to explain is a message of family reconciliation, okay? Uh, the, the parents coming back to the sons and daughters and the sons and daughters coming back to the parents. Uh, because we're, we're living in a time now where the leading country in the world right now don't even know what a family is anymore. They don't even understand what a marriage is anymore. Uh, a marriage is between a a father and a mother, not two fathers and two mothers. And we don't even understand that anymore. And so this Eliyahu is going to come on the scene to fight against those things, to preach against those things, the destruction of the family. He's going to preach the correct teaching on what a family really is. That is what he is going to do. And I support his message 100%, and I'm going to back it up 100%, because that message must be preached. And so I'm waiting for him to come so I can join him in this and to preach it, because it needs to be preached around the world, and it will be preached around the world, how to have a proper family. Now, interestingly, and this is a message that the world can understand. It's a clear message. Uh, people understood this back in the, in the 20th century pretty good before World War One and Two. But then it started to decline after that, unfortunately. If we read this in the Septuagint version, which is the Greek version of uh, the Tanakh or the Old Testament that was written around 250 B.C., and behold, I will send you Eliyahu the Thespite before the great and glorious day of the Master comes, who shall turn again the heart of the father to the son and the heart of a man to his neighbor. That night I come and smite the earth grievously. So again, this Eliyahu or Elijah will come and teach that the family means to be reconciled, reconciliation of the father and the son. And also he's going to preach the message of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. The summary of Torah. If you look at Galatians, Galatians tell us that, ladies and gentlemen. This is just basic scriptures that you must um, understand. Galatians 5, verse 14, For the Torah, or law, is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's why we keep the Torah. That's why we keep Shabbat. That's why we keep all the Moedim, or the holy days. That's why we keep all the other commandments, so that we learn how to love our neighbor. 
our fellow human being as we love ourselves. That's what all those commandments do. And we don't when we don't keep all those commandments to the best of our ability, the ones we can keep. And then we don't learn fully how to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. You know, God is not trying to hurt us when he commands us to do something. He's trying to help us. But we must obey him in terms of allowing this great being to lead and guide us. He's not going to force us. He's not going to force us to um, to uh, obey him, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what he's going to do. He doesn't want to have to force you to obey him. He doesn't want to do that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in John's epistles, he talks so much about little children, little children. So, of course, he viewed himself also as a father figure to the assemblies that he was guiding and leading. And so it's all throughout the Bible of strong men being father figures and strong women being mother figures. It's all throughout the Bible. And we must understand that, ladies and gentlemen. We must understand that and uh, we we must uh, submit to authority. There's going to be authority in when, when Yeshua comes back. Uh, let me give you an example of that. In Matthew chapter 19, we're not going to ever get away from authority. <laughs> That's what the devil wants us to think, that we're going to get away from authority. And none of us are going to get away from authority. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 27, Then answered Kepha, or Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and have followed thee. What shall we have there? That's a valid question. I mean, they they forsook all. But Yeshua was fair when he answered him. He said, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones. If you have a throne, you're a king, you have authority, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, so... I try to explain this to people. This whole world will be ruled by Jews. And so we must get with the program and understand the Bible in the context of how Jews who understand that Yeshua is the Messiah understand the Scriptures. And, of course, uh, always put them under investigation, too. Uh, the only one we don't have to investigate is Yeshua himself because he's perfect. All of us, including myself, and I've learned from Jews, you can learn what Jews know, but you, you must humble yourself to understand that the Bible is a Jewish book. And so we have to, to read that Jewish book. And, and uh, if you know of a Jew that uh, believes in Yeshua as the Messiah, uh, go to them. Or even Orthodox Jews, uh, just to understand the uh, Tanakh, uh, I, I regularly review uh, commentaries from Orthodox Jews. And as long as it, it's, it's uh, scriptural, I accept their, their uh, correct interpretations of the scriptures. The Jews have an advantage, uh, Romans 3, they have because uh, God gave them the, the oracles. And so uh, we, we have to respect that. And Yeshua is a Jew, and he said salvation is of the Jews. He didn't save anyone else but them. So, And uh, we have to understand that the hierarchy of the government uh, of God and, and his kingdom is going to be ruled by Jews. And so we have to get with the program another scripture, too, to, to prove my point in Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. It says, Thus says the Master of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of all the languages of the nations, goy, even shall take of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that Yah is with you. Of course, it's 
uh, it's referring to Messiah, but also his people, his people as well, ladies and gentlemen. So, so let's understand that, and uh, we we can't have any kind of anti-Semitism at all in us when it comes to that. Uh, there's four minutes and six seconds left in this Bible study. I'm going to, uh, as I tend to do, is, is those who have listened to me, I do go over, so I'm probably going to be going over 15 minutes here because I have some very other important things to talk about in reference to understanding we must respect authority of father figures and mother figures. Okay, and uh, I will uh, continue on with this Bible study for maybe another 15 to 20 minutes. So um, I just want to tell you that, and then you can listen to the entirety of this program after I'm done in the archives. It usually takes about maybe 30 minutes to to one hour before uh, that occurs, but before I I need to... um, Take a break here and have you listen to a very important message, and I'll be right back. The Master commands us all to give. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered double worthy of honor, and of adequate financial support, especially those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and again the laborer is worthy of his hire. This is found in Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, Luke 10, verse 7, and 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 to 18. Preaching and teaching is hard work. It is a challenge to consistently produce radio programs, produce videos, write articles, and manage an assembly or church. All of my teachings are free. However, I would appreciate it very much if you give to this ministry. God commands us to ask to receive. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. To give to the merciful servants of God ministry then go to www.mercifulservantsofgod.com that's www.mercifulservantsofgod.com and click the yellow donate button. May the Master bless you and keep you. All right. And so, please give to this ministry. I offer everything free and I always will because I believe what this scripture states um, in Micah chapter 4. It's pretty plain scripture, and I hope if some ministers are listening to this, I hope you uh, take this to heart. Micah chapter 3, verse 11. The heads, therefore judge for reward. Reward in Hebrew means a bribe, and the priests, therefore teach. Now we are priests, figuratively, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And the priests teach for hire. They teach for money. And the prophets, therefore, divine for money. Yet they will lean upon the master and say, Is not the master among us? None evil can come upon us. So ponder that scripture. And you can look, uh, if you have a, a um, treasury of scriptural knowledge, look at some of the alternative scriptures uh, to help you understand that that uh, Yeshua does not really want us to sell his words. Now, of course, we should be supported. We should ask for donations like I'm doing or, or contributions, but we should not be selling 
or to put a price tag on our teachings. That's a clear scripture against that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so that's the reason why I don't and I never will sell my teachings. So anyway, um, I'm going to extend this program. Shalom. All right, so I'm in the recorded session of the program now. And I'm going to continue on with this discussion of understanding uh, there's father figures and, and mother figures in the Bible. And we need to understand uh, that we must submit to authority. We must submit to authority. And if we don't submit to authority, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have some serious issues. All right, so in Yeshua called his disciples little children because he was the greatest elder of all. All right. And he called them little children, little children. And then in Galatians 4, verse 19, Shaul says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Messiah be formed in you. And and here is Yochanan, the apostle Yochanan, the emissary Yochanan, or John, in 1 John 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Uh, and... 1 John 2, verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, your, for his name's sake. And 1 John 2, verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. And 1 John 2, verse 18, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, the, the Antichrist shall come, and even now are there many Antichrists or anti-Messiahs, where we know that it is the last time. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, and this is in 1 John 2, verse 18, and 1 John 2, verse 28, 28, and now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 1 John 3, verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. My little children, in 1 John 3, verse 18, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. First uh, John 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. First John 4, verse 4. And First John 5, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And so there's, there's scriptural proof, ladies and gentlemen, that, that an elder is certainly like a father figure in the assemblies. And you must treat them like that. And, and unfortunately, that's not the case. Um... There's another scripture I can quote here in 1 Timothy chapter 5. It says, rebuke or correct not an elder, that's an older man. And that can include also uh, people that run assemblies if they're old. <laughs> but entreat them as a father. Okay? And the younger men as the brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. And so I try to explain this uh, to people in this movement that we all have to treat each other like family. We, we have to treat each other like family. If we don't treat each other like family, we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. In Luke chapter 8, verse 20, it says, And it was told them by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. And verse 21, And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are those which hear the word of God, and they shema, they, they understand intelligently the word of God, and they do it. Okay, so Yeshua prophesied that we would have 
uh, when we forsake the world to keep his way of life, is that we will have our mothers and sisters and brothers that we have forsaken because a lot of times that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, I know that's what happened to me. Matthew 19, verse 21, uh, Matthew 19, verse 29, And everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And then the companion scripture to this uh, states in, in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 29, And Yeshua answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, and I've left houses, uh, a house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake in the gospel, verse 30 of Mark chapter 10, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this life. And I have, and I continue to do so. And the majority of that hundredfold is spiritual blessings. Um, but I, you know, I, I have a house right now in a beautiful neighborhood. And I do have not many brethren, but brethren that I can depend on and trust. And sisters, and I have sister figures, and, and mothers, and and children and and lands I have spiritual children and and lands and I have all this with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life and so we must view each other ladies and gentlemen those who are believers as family and of course with a family you have a father and a mother so there's going to be an authority figure in that family so you have to understand that now let's get back to um Elijah, the one of the ultimate father figures on the human plane. Uh in Matthew chapter seventeen. Let's remember this prophecy. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter seventeen, verse ten. And his Talmudim or disciples asked him or his students asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Eliyahu must first come? In verse eleven, and Yeshua answered and said unto them, Eliyahu truly shall first come and restore all things. I don't know why I'm sneezing all of a sudden. Restore all things. And that word means reconstitute all things. And that's, of course, talking about clear understanding of the Bible, uh, doctrinal disputes uh, will be solved, etc. That's what will happen in the future, ladies and gentlemen, according to what uh, the Jews have always taught going to do that and he's going to solve all these uh, debates of scripture and so so forth and so that's that's what how the jews uh, understand one of the greatest things he's going to do however is to explain the proper structure of a family because right now uh, the western world really don't understand that as i'm speaking you know this to be true for them to allow uh, homosexuality like they're doing right now, gay marriage, and now transgenders. And I just recently read an article that's starting to allow uh, bestiality. Matter of fact, let me see if I can find an article online about that. Bestiality, bestiality is legal. Okay, this this actually was happening back in, as early as 2008, actually. Um, but... Um, is is uh, there was a recent uh, court case about this uh, about bestiality? Uh, I saw it online here. Bestiality, Beastie 
reality. So, but anyway, you can do a Google search on this. You can find uh, that people are now attacking that issue now in this country. And it's just uh, sad, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, let me just quote this scripture again to you to help you understand something that you need to understand. Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. And I'm I'm going to... uh, start here when it says in verse 22 it says thou shalt not lie Leviticus 18 verse 22 thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind is an abomination verse 22 neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself thereof neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereof it is confusion and verse 24 defile ye not yourselves in any of these things for in all these things the nations are defiled which I cast out before you and so you are defiled if you practice these things even if you allow yourself to think that these things are okay your mind is being defiled Verse 25, and the land, and this is going to refer to wherever you're at, is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomit out its inhabitants. And that's interesting that it says it vomits out or spews out her inhabitants. And so that's what's going to happen eventually to this country. Uh, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourned among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which was before you, and the land is defiled. That the land spew you not out also, when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall you keep my ordinance, that you commit not any of these abominable customs, which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourselves. Therefore I am the master of your Yah. So... uh, People that are gay and people transgender, they're defiling themselves and they're, de- and they're affecting the environment and, and the land that they're standing on, that according to the scriptures. I don't hear this scripture quoted by anybody, and I hope some people start quoting it and, because uh, it's in God's word. But this is what's going to happen to this nation, and not the end of the world, but a defilement of this country. And it's going to cause, like you said, the people that are, that are doing the defiling are going to be spat out. Now, I don't know what that's indicating, an earthquake, hurricane, or what, but... But uh, it says here that uh, they'll be spewed out. They'll be spewed out, and this is a this is this is certainly a prophecy, as well as what happened back then. Where and, and this and this uh, warning continues to uh, to happen. This this result of, of of this abomination, all these abominations that he describes, which is pornea, fornication, all these abominations. Uh, we we can't do this abomination and expect Yah to bless us and and, and everything is okay and there's no curses, you know. <laughs> and he states here plainly that the, the land is defiled and that the land will spew you out and when you defile it, dispute out the nations that were before you. And so, we, ladies and gentlemen, we, we've got to understand what a family is. And we've got to understand that we must obey and submit to authority. If we don't understand that, society will be destroyed. But thank God, Elijah and those who preach his message will be preaching this message of family um, reconciliation. And people will understand 
uh, the scriptures that I'm going to read to you about um, respecting your parents. Respecting your parents. And so it begins here in Colossians 3, verse 20. I have this uh, also all these scriptures written down so that you could uh, understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the master. Of course, it's the assumption that the parents do the following in the next scripture, Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So your parents have to be in the Lord. If they're in the Lord and they're not violating any of Torah, you are commanded to obey them. For this is right, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. In other words, we don't get too hard on them. But let me explain this scripture, because some sons uh, and daughters will use this to disrespect their parents. Well, if your father's telling you something right, and you get angry and provoked, this scripture doesn't apply. It only applies when your father's too hard on you. Okay, and, and, te- and telling you things over and over and over and over and over again, and he's just being too hard on you, you know? Like, let me give you an example. If, if your father gives you a sermon for two hours on why uh, you should pick something up off the floor, that that's what I'm talking about. That that will provoke your children to wrath, all right? Uh, and that's when this scripture applies. And so we can't be too hard on our kids' fathers, all right? Now, Jeremiah chapter 35, I've got to, uh, I have, I'm going to quote the entire, because I couldn't fit it on the blog talk uh, thing, but this is so significant that I have to, to really quote the whole entire passage. And so let me turn to Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 18 and 19. Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 18 and 19. 18 and 19. says, and, and the word which came unto Jeremiah from the master in the days of Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites, speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the, of the master, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazdaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the master, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of a Messiah, uh, Messiah, rather, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither Ye nor your sons forever. Some people say, well, this is a father figure or not really a father. Well, it, it indicates it is their father. And so what is a father figure not is their father, okay? <laughs> he is their father figure, all right? So in verse 7, Neither shall you build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any, but all your days you shall dwell in tents that you may live many days in the land which you have strength. So I want you to notice something that they obey. These adult children continue to obey their father, all right? Verse 8, Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he has charged. In all that he's charged, of course, with the assumption that it was correct, all right? That he charges to drink no wine all our days. We are wise, our sons and our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. 
neither have, have we vineyard nor field nor sea. Now, a little disclaimer, it doesn't mean you can't drink wine. It's just that this particular father commanded that they don't drink wine. And obviously, you know, God said that was okay. You know, uh, verse 10, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and have done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Now, do we do all that our father commands us that that was righteous and, and was well for us and that, that was in the Lord? I don't think so. I, I can say this. I, I haven't. Okay? And we all need to repent of that. Verse 11, but it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that that we said, come and let us go to Jerusalem for or Jerusalem. For fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the many of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the master to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the master of hosts, the, the Yah of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem. Will you not receive instruction to hearken to my words, says the master? So he's making an analogy here that he's a father to his people. He's a father to his people. And just like when they obeyed their father, how come... The men of Judah at this time were not obeying him. Good argument here. Verse 14. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed, for unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandments. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but you hearken not unto me. And boy, I understand this personally as one of his ministers, that God's people are like that today. Not all of them, but a good portion of them. Verse 15, I have sent also unto you all my servants to prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return you now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them, and you shall dwell on the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened to me. That's how he's talking about the majority. Verse 16, Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rakab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people have not hearkened unto me. Therefore, thus says the master of hosts, the, the master of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I pronounce against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they, they have not heard, and I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the master of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and have kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he has commanded you. Therefore, thus says the master of hosts, the master of Israel, the Yah of Israel, the Elohim of Israel, the Yahweh of Israel, the Yahweh of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want or lack a man to stand before me forever. So I had to read that in its entirety to prove that we must always obey our parents, regardless of how old we are. Matter of fact, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are considered the fathers, and we must obey them. So anyway, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. So parents have a responsibility to lay up an inheritance for their children, and those that are not doing so, they are failing in that, and they need to repent of that. Uh, in Numbers, it talks about an inheritance. And an inheritance is very important. Numbers chapter 27. And and uh, yeah, this is all about uh, an inheritance. And so study that. But an inheritance, God expects parents to lay up an inheritance for their children. Now, in 1 Timothy 5, this is what he expects for the children. Uh, 1 Timothy 5 verse 4. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them 
first learn to show piety at home and to uh, requite or to repay their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. First Timothy 5, verse 4, and, you know, you, you have kids today, you know, they, they want to forget the fact that without their parents, they wouldn't be where they're at today, and yet they don't want to repay their parents or help their parents out. And that's a sin before God. Uh, you must be willing to do that, and it's a commandment that you do so. Uh, John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. Just like the example I showed you in Jeremiah chapter 35, and abide in his love, and Yeshua is older than any of us, and he still obeys his Father. Okay, So we, we have to obey our fathers, no matter how old we are. And John 5, verse 19 to 20, then answered Yeshua and said unto them, Very, verily I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And we should imitate our Father, and what our Father is doing is correct, we should imitate our fathers, ladies and gentlemen. We should imitate our fathers. We should want to imitate our fathers. All right? For the father lover, I'm not talking about if your father has a certain skill that you don't have and you try so hard but you don't have it because God has given it to you. I'm talking about basic common sense things of morality we should be imitating from our fathers. For the father love of the son and showing him all things that he, he himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that he may marvel in some you know, some sons, they actually imitate their father's professions and careers. There's nothing wrong with that either, ladies and gentlemen, because your father should be and is, biblically anyway, an example for you to follow. All right, so um, I'm going to just quote some basic scriptures here uh, about uh, respecting your mother and your father. Uh, Leviticus 19, verse 3 states, You shall fear or respect every man his mother and his father, and keep my Shabbats. Honoring your father and, and mother is just as important as keeping the Shabbat as far as Yah is concerned. Leviticus 19, verse 3, You shall fear and respect every man his mother and his father, and keep my Shabbats. I am the master. So, um, in Matthew 15, verse 4 to 5, and this is in the Amplified Version, for Yah commanded, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses or reviles or speaks evil of or abuses or treats improperly his father and mother, let him surely come to his end. And this is found in Exodus 20, verse 12, 21, verse 17, Leviticus 20, verse 9, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. But you say, if anyone tells his father and mother what you would have gained from me, that is, the money and whatever I have, have that might be used for helping you is already dedicated as a gift of God, then he exempt and no longer under obligation to honor and help his father and mother, so for the sake of your tradition, the rules handed down by your forefathers, you have set aside the word of God. And so this is one of the traditions that were going on back then. They were using an excuse not to do what they're supposed to do. And so uh, it's, this is very important when I'm preaching to you, and I, and I hope you're listening to this. Uh, in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, 21, this is how serious God takes sons disrespecting their parents and not obeying the voice of the father. He does not like or appreciate sons rebelling against their parents. If a man, this is in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 and 21. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastised him or tried to correct him, will not hearken unto them, then shall the father and his mother both lay hold on him and bring him into the elders of the city and to the gate of his, of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, this, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. In other words, he's, he eats too much, and he, he gets drunk, and he's just 
Nothing. I mean, he just does nothing. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, and that he shall die. So shall thou put evil away from you, and all Israel shall fear. And, and this is serious. This is talking about how families should be structured, and sons should always respect their fathers, no matter how old they are. They have no right whatsoever to backtalk and sass their parents, even if their parents are mistreating them. There's no commandment that says you can do that. You don't have to obey them, but you don't have to talk back to them either if they are telling you to do something wicked, you know. And so I'm not advocating we stone our kids. I'm just telling you, I'm just reading this in the, in the context of helping you to understand that God takes rebellion from sons and daughters, particularly the sons, very serious, all right? So that's what I'm saying. United States law does not allow parents that had a rebellious son stoned by a group of people, so no father or mother should desire for believers to stone their rebellious son to death, all right? And plus, we are not under God's total rule yet where everyone's keeping his Torah, and that will happen in the future, and this law will be applied again if it needs to be. I hope it never has to be applied. <laughs> Matter of fact, the Jews have stated that it never that this never happened, and I hope that's true, that it never did happen, that uh, a son was stoned by uh, the uh, the elders of Israel. But anyway, Deuteronomy 27, verse 16 states, Curse is he who dishonors his father and mother. All the people shall say, Amen. Proverbs 15, verse 5, A fool despises father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof or correction is prudent. Proverbs 1, verse 8 to 9, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the Torah of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Proverbs 30, verse 17, The eye that mocks or make light of his father and despise to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. And uh, this is a true prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, and I, I wouldn't test Yah if I were you <laughs> about that. Anyway, Proverbs 20, verse 20, Whoever curses or despises his father or his mother, so his, his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. In other words, you won't have eternal life. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee. And so not only does the mother begot children, but also the father. And despise not thy mother when she is old. Proverbs 10, verse 1, and Proverbs 13, verse 1. The Proverbs of Slomo or Solomon. A wise son make of a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Let me repeat that. A foolish son is the heaviness of his mother again. A foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner hears not rebuke. They don't want to be corrected. Leviticus 19, verse 32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, because the old man is a father figure, ladies and gentlemen. He is a father figure, confirmed at 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. The elders, the older figures in the assembly, and of course, elders are like father figures as well. They should be looked upon as father figures, ladies and gentlemen. And so I hope today that you under. Oh, I want to read something else about Eliyahu, who, if he's not on the scene, he should be on the scene soon, ladies and gentlemen. He's coming. Uh, this is a quote from what book here? Uh, this is a quote from a, okay, Fisbane, okay. Uh, Fisbane, the Hatar, which is the prophet sections of the Torah from the Jewish Publication Society. And this is talking about, again, the prophecy of Eliyahu or Elijah. And behold, I will send you Eliyahu the Thespite before the great and glorious day of the Master, who shall turn again the heart of the Father to the Son, that word children, and um, the Tanakh, 
could and should be easily translated son. And so uh, in Malachi, turn to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. And because the Hebrew word for this is bang or ben. And it means a son, a builder of the family name in the widest sense, including grandson. And also for those who think there's something wrong with the Strong's Concordance, uh, the um, Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew definitions, it also says that his son, grandson, uh, a bet, that's the Hebrew um, character that is used for this, with a dot in the middle. A son, grandson, child, member of a group. A son, a male child. And so that should be properly translated, the fathers to the son, and the heart of the son to the fathers, because they are the leaders of society. But anyway, and he's going to smite the earth with utter destruction if this is not preached, and it will be it will be smited with utter destruction because the whole world would be destroyed because the family would be destroyed if he continues to allow all this homosexuality stuff and and uh, this. Uh, transgender stuff and all these other abominations that continue. So that's the reason that one of the reasons why Eliyahu must come, that's one of the reasons why ultimately Messiah must come. Anyway, I'm going to quote this from the commentary. Overall, the theme of restoration predominates in the Hatara. The restoration of acceptable offerings in the temple, so there will be uh, offerings again, despite what some people are incorrectly preaching. The repair of the covenant through repentance. The renewal of trust in divine justice. That's the heart of the Torah, justice, mercy, and faith. Matthew 23, verse 23, and the reconciliation of parents and their children. And so, and the reconciliation of parents and children to Yah and to each other. That is sorely needed in society today. A deep sense of estranglement or disarmony thus pervades the present order of things. Let me underscore that again. A deep sense of estranglement or disharmony thus pervades the present order of things. This order in society and in a divine human relationship, presumably a crisis of trust in Yah's just providence, has perverted the people's soul and led them to callous indifference in the moral and cultic realms. This may be inferred from the poignant rebuke uh, by the prophet just prior to the beginning of the Haftar. As Malachi presents it, the people are quoted as saying, All who do evil are good in the sight of the Master, and they mockingly jibe, Where is the Yah of justice, and that's why I can say confidently that he's going to judge this nation and judge anyone who embraces the destruction of a family, which certainly has something to do with homosexuality and this trans, transvestite stuff and transgender stuff and, uh, of course, uh, bestiality. All those things will, just, to rebut this blasphemy, God comes to redress the cause of this judgment, Miss Pot, Miss Pot. And the God fears sense that it is useless to serve God. However, so deep and retrograde is the people's rebellion that God finally announces that he will send his prophet Eliyahu to renew their hearts. This unilateral act of restoration provides a final proof of Yah's love of Yaakov or Jacob pronounced at the beginning of the book. And so the Jews understand this. They understand the importance of Eliyahu, and the fact that he must come and preach the correct message on a family and how to start a family. That is one of his major responsibilities. There's other responsibilities, but I just want to hammer on that one in particular because that is a major one. 
that uh, Yah has prophesied that Eliyahu will accomplish. He will accomplish that. He will accomplish the um, the reconciliation or the message, preaching the message of re- reconciliation. And and actually, some people will uh, repent. They will totally repent of that, and they will uh, learn how to raise families properly. And once that happens, that will restore the damage that has been caused uh, by people and our leaders preaching the incorrect message on how a family is structured. And so that this is very important to understand, and I'm trying to find a, another quote here from um, Jewish writings that is correct about um, Eliyahu, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, be patient with me here. I'm trying to find it. If I can't find it, then uh, I'll quote it some other time, another program. But uh should be here in this book here. I'm trying to find the book of Malachi. And that that's a very important prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, uh, found in the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi had a very important message to preach to people. He had a very, 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 very important message to preach to people. And uh, it's a message that that is a now message. And, uh, you know, as I see society going down the drain, basically, uh, it's something that we, it's a book that we really need to study, uh, like our life dependent on it, ladies and gentlemen, because a lot of things that the book of Malachi talks about are happening as I speak. People's attitude about Yah and, and how they think he is and so forth is happening. It's really happening, and people are challenging God, and not just through their mouths but through their actions. They're saying, where is the where is the, uh, uh, the Yah of judgment? Where is the Yah of judgment? You know, and, and uh, that, that unfortunately is an attitude that is uh, unfortunate. But here, in this commentary by the uh, the Stone edition of the Tanakh, which I highly suggest you get, it states here that Eliyahu will draw people's hearts back to God before judgment day to increase the number of people who will serve his judgment. It is customary during public readings of Malachi to repeat the, this verse, the, the ending verse, the pun, the, the pun ultimate verse, penultimate verse. And that verse is, Behold, I send Eliyahu the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Hashem. This is done to end the reading on a positive note. And so, ladies and gentlemen, let's understand the importance of what God is going to do. Uh, he's going to bring this uh, Eliyahu to us. To, um, Like I said, if he's not already here already, but uh, wherever he's at, you know, I'm going to preach his message. I understand the message. I'm going to preach it. And uh, I hope that people understand that God wants us to understand how a family is structured. He wants us to understand uh, how to raise proper families. And it's certainly not done by embracing the gay liberation movement. And uh, it's certainly not done that way, ladies and gentlemen. And so we have to understand that and we have to understand uh, the importance of Eliyahu. So in verse 24, it says here in the uh, Jewish Study Bible, the connection between intergenerational reconciliation, Eliyahu, is enigmatic. Okay, so 
that this is something that uh, we need to start preaching to people. That how can you obey your parents, properly follow the fifth commandment, if your father, you have two fathers and two mothers. And so we we have to start preaching that, ladies and gentlemen. We have to do that. If not, uh, these curses will continue. But Yah is very merciful, and uh, he's going to provide no excuse for people who will be living on the earth at this time when this Elijah and his servants and, and those who follow his teaching will be preaching around the world how to have a family, the family, the proper family structure, ladies and gentlemen. The Elijah will do that. So may Yah bless and keep you. And I, I'm going to do another short program here on uh, Shavuot, Pentecost, the importance of it. And so I should be back on the air here. Well, this is in the archives now. But anyway, you, you'll see it in the archives anyway uh, about the importance of Pentecost and Shavuot and why should we keep it and what does it represent and so forth. So take care. Shalom, peace. And I hope that you understand the the major importance of obeying your parents and not just your literal parents but also your ultimate parent in heaven and also father figures and mother figures. May Yah bless and keep you. And y'all willing, I'll be available to you later on um, today. Well, this is in the archives, but I'll be available to you next week. And I'm going to try to do a recording every week. I've, I've really been going through a lot here lately and be praying for me. But uh, I, I know I need to be more consistent and uh, be praying that I'm more consistent with giving programs. May y'all bless and keep you. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.